All right, gang, regular listeners know that we covered weight versus buy back in February 2021 on episode 40, but things have changed. And for you waiters, not the food servers, but the people who waited to get a better deal, the numbers say that you missed out. So what now? Keep waiting or get planning so you don't miss it again? Spoiler alert, waiting may not be your best option. Hey there, everybody. I'm David Sidoni. This is the How to Buy Home podcast, the only podcast with proven success stories from people just like you who listened, learned, and bought their first home. Probably because I'm the only first-time buyer podcast presented by a realtor with experience who actually talks directly to you since the rest of the realtors out there can't wait to be past working with first-time buyers and on to a career working with sellers. Sucks, but that's for reals. All right, can you tell I'm a little frisky today? I'm a little fired up. I'm actually standing up in my office recording this podcast. Yeah, if you pegged me for one of those cheesy corporate dudes with the desks that go up and down, bing, 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 you win. All right, if you are new to the show, hi there and welcome. Sorry, gang, this is it. And you're new, so you don't know me. And that means you don't trust me. So let me tell you just a little bit about me, and maybe you'll figure out if you want to trust me or not. I don't give a crap when you buy a home. You do you. You can wait. You can buy in five years and 10 years, whatever. Here's what we got. I've got a 15-year track record with hundreds of stories from my buyers and more recently, hundreds of stories from the podcast listeners that took this free advice and figured out when the right time for them to make this big step was. It's not a great sentence, but you know what I meant. The whole goal is to help people make a better lives for themselves whenever they're ready. The key is I think some people are ready before they know it. And also, if you go back and you're new and you listen to the catalog of episodes, hopefully you'll figure out that I'm a bit of a rogue realtor, probably despised by the rest of the entire real estate industry because I'm dropping truth bombs for anybody who'll listen about how first timers are getting awful service and even worse advice. And what that does, well, it takes you guys and it just has you frozen in fear and you just don't know your options that you have the opportunity to start building wealth today. And for most of you, it's not with me. I don't get rich if you listen and you decide you're ready to buy. My own business, even I have several buyers that I've been consulting with for years. (laughs) And people have taken three months. I've had people that have taken three years. Doesn't matter to me. Whenever you're ready to buy, rock on. I'm not trying to get paid quick. I'm not selling a seminar to anybody out there listening to this. I'm not selling an ebook or a webinar. I'm just giving you this facts and data for free. You do what you want with it because no one else out there is. And I think that sucks. So that's why I started the podcast. I spent all day today writing and researching this episode instead of selling houses because my greater good is to reach more of you with this crucial information instead of making a paycheck out working with one local buyer today. I know sounds a little cringy, a little pious, a little high and mighty. I don't care. Don't care. It's true. And the truth will set you free. Sure, maybe I sound a little bit like Jamie Tart from the greatest television show ever made, Ted Lasso, streaming on Apple. Not a sponsor. There was an episode where Jamie said, Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? Now, if I sound like that, it's cool. I can handle it because this is how my hero, Coach Ted Lasso, responded. I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. So, waiting or buying. Timing's everything. 
when it comes to buying a home and no one has a crystal ball. All we have is data and historical trends. Can you dissect all of the complexities about all that data in just a top three list? You know, one of those top lists that you must know when you're buying a house. Hell no. This takes work. This is going to be challenging to figure out if you should wait or if you should buy. But like my boy Ted Lasso says, taking on a challenge is like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Here's what we're going to discuss today. Topic number one is rising rents. Topic number two, family wealth. Topic number three, rising prices and forecasts. Talking about the bubble or no bubble stuff. Topic number four will be rising interest rates. Topic five will be supply and demand. And topic six will be just reminding you that you can buy for a very little down payment. Now, I recently re-recorded episode two of the podcast. I left all the original stuff in, but I wanted to add some new stats about our first topic today, rising rents. I just saw October 2021, if you're listening to this in the future in a spacesuit somewhere. I just saw this article, October 2021, from apartmentguide.com, and it was about rising rents. It says that the average two-bedroom apartment in the last year, 87% of the states, the cost of that apartment has gone up, and 13% of the down. 87% of the states are up, and only 13% prices went down for an apartment. An average two-bedroom apartment costs $1,949. Now that's up 10.1% in the last 12 months. Now this is what I told everyone. This is crazy. Now 10.1 is the average, but let me give you some cities. And if you live in these cities, except for the first couple, I'm really, really sorry. These are the stats. Percentage of increase year over year. Washington, D.C., 6.2%. San Francisco, 8.4%. Wayne, Indiana, 11.6%. Madison, Wisconsin, 12.9%. Houston, 13.8%. Omaha, 14.3%. New Orleans, 16.1%. Arlington, Texas, 16.7%. Jacksonville, 30.5%. Do I really have to keep going? I'm gonna. Buffalo, 34.3%. New York, 35.5%. Denver, 39.9%. Raleigh, 42.7%. Irvine, where I'm standing right now, 43.3, Henderson, Nevada, 46.4, Santa Ana, 50.7, Reno, Nevada, 63%, Detroit, Michigan, 72.7%. I thought Detroit was supposed to be like this crazy recession. And just up the coast, right next to where I used to live, Long Beach, California, 80.6% rent increase for a two-bedroom apartment in the last 12 months. Now, you think that's bad. Here's some inside information that I want you to think about with rising rents that is kind of the backstory. You can look at the stats and the data all day long, but it's those extra pieces of information that really tell you the full story. According to the Orange County Register, that's our local paper here. I've just found out there's like three or four different Orange Counties. This is Orange County, California. Rising rents are sparking a buying frenzy among apartment investors. Buying apartments, that's a hot commodity right now. People are paying more than they usually do to buy an apartment building. And investors, they are so cheap. So if they're paying more, that means they know something. Prices for multifamily properties jumped 69% in most of Southern California, 
Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. You don't care about that. Rowerdink, he's a multifamily broker and principal with Orange County-based Salt Creek Capital Advisors. This is what this dude said, quote, I've been doing this for 30-some years, and I will tell you I've never seen it this hot, this crazy. It's very competitive for these buildings. But not just here in California. If you go across the United States, it's everywhere, unquote. Okay, you're like, dude, I'm buying my first house. What do I care? Okay, I'm talking to you about if you should rent and wait or if you should buy. Because if you're going to wait, here's what's going to happen. Tenants in older buildings can feel the effect of this upswing as investors spruce up buildings and raise their rents. Now, the cool thing about that is in California, there's a law, AB 1482. That's a statewide rent cap that limits rent hikes to only 8.6% a year in Southern California, even if the ownership changes. Now, how that work with the changes on the other stuff? <laughs> Get to that in a minute. And the rents are up this year all over the place. Tenants, they're usually unaffected by the sale when a building sells because of that law. And the older buildings that are out there, the investors are seeing that as a value add opportunity. It's someplace they can rehab and bump the rents up significantly, even though the AB 1482 is preventing the egregious rent hikes. But in some cases, the owners are figuring out that they can ask their tenants to vacate the apartments. It's called a cash for keys. And a lot of time, if you're in an apartment and someone comes to you and says, I'll give you your first and last plus a month. Cool. You'll bail. So then they send you out, they renovate and remodel the place, and they jack the rent up to double what it was and change the whole price of the building. Bottom line, landlords are looking for tenants who can pay more. And they're saying that with the most important thing to them as investors, they're saying it with their dollar. Okay, that was incredibly depressing. So let's go to topic number two, something a little bit more on the positive side. When you decide to buy, no matter when it is, family wealth, your personal financial portfolio, it's going to be something that is going to be a big part of why you do this. There was an article and it was headlined uh, 11,285 reasons you should buy a home this year. And basically the article states and restates everything I've been saying in the podcast for years. But if you're a brand new listener, you just want to hear Somebody else validate the information that I've spewed out while spitting facts on the podcast since 2019. Here it is. According to the latest research from the National Association of Realtors, my friends at NAR, they call it, they say, quote, homeownership is a key pathway to building wealth and narrowing the racial income and wealth inequality gap. Housing wealth, also known as equity, that accumulation takes time and is built up by price appreciation and paying off the mortgage. Unquote. So it's great. We're talking about equality and equality comes from equity. And the cool thing about that is equity is not just for you. It's for whoever you want to give the money to friends, kids, charities, pets. You know, I actually just showed a home with some buyers. They'd been vacant for four years. And because the trust stated the dogs had to live in the house until they passed, it sat there for four years. So fortunately for the kids of the person who had the trust, who apparently they didn't give mom as much attention as these dogs did, this was the world's most expensive dog house in Costa Mesa, California. 
And over those four years, because of the timing, it gained them $300,000 in equity during that time. And it sold for almost a million bucks. Your home, it can be the largest part of your estate. Maybe you don't think of yourself as someone as having an estate. It sounds like a one percenter thing, but it's going to be. Consider how much money you make every year in income and how much of that you spend, yet your home increases and you get that money at some point in your life. You can keep it, you can pass it on, or if you're not going to have kids, fine. You do you, man. Sell that house when you retire and blow all the cash on yourself. And the last few years of your life, just spend it and leave nothing to nobody. Whatever. Now, another quote about how families can use it. This comes from the Federal Reserve in an addendum to their survey of customer finance. It explains, there are numerous ways families can transmit wealth and resources across generations. Families can directly transfer their wealth to the next generation in the form of a bequest. They can also provide the next generation with an inter vivos transfer. That's gifts. For example, providing a down payment support to enable a home purchase or a substantial wedding gift, unquote. So if you are thinking about having kids, then let's break the cycle. Let's change the broken system. Don't wait for it. Use that equity in your estate and you use it because you start early. I screwed up in my 20s. I didn't buy. So I had to hustle like a madman in my 30s and 40s to build enough so that my kids will never have to rent. My oldest is 15 years old right now, and we'll be using our equity and the money that we put away from that to buy him his first place when he moves out. He and all of his nerdy roommates can pay the rent, but I've just decided I don't want my kids ever to pay rent. And at that point, Daniel's going to get the equity when he's ready, and he'll have a huge chunk to put down. Might even be in a position to buy his first place cash. The Federal Reserve also explains another way wealth, including the additional net worth generated by an increase in home equity, can benefit your future generations. In addition to direct transfers or gifts, families can make investments in their children that indirectly increase their wealth. That's the wealth of the kids, not the wealth of the parents. Like, for example, families can invest in children's education success by paying for college or private schools, which can turn in their children's ability, which can in turn increase their children's ability to accumulate wealth. There, does that make sense? So buy for your kids to go to a fancy private school or a college, and then they're going to make more money when they get older. That's the way we break the wealth inequality cycle. But you've got to figure out where are you right now? Should you wait or should you buy? And the only reason why I would even spew any type of this conversation is because a lot of you are renting and scraping by when maybe you could be buying and building this wealth and breaking the cycle. So if you want to start to use your wealth for your own retirement and blow it on yourself on one of those five-star around-the-world cruises, well, if you rent for the next couple of years, you're just going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars that you could have spent on that cruise. You could have upgraded to the presidential suite. Maybe you could have paid to have dinner with a captain. That's a thing. I don't know why it's a thing, but it's a thing. Or if you just want to help your kids with their future home, follow my plan and make sure that your kids don't rent. And You don't have to give it to them. You can just tell him and his dummy friends, no, 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 you're not in the dorm. Or second year, no, 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 you're not getting an apartment. I just bought a little duplex there and you and all your idiot friends are going to live there and your parents are going to pay for it. And then you can keep it and have it go to your stuff. And of course, if you 
wait to start your plan, you also might be missing out on an opportunity to help your kids with towards their future in their education as well. Okay, topic number three, rising prices and the forecast, bubble or no bubble prediction stuff. All right, first, let's talk the numbers and the rising prices. The National Association of Realtors research reveals that the average gain for homeowners over the last five years was $139,134. Over the last 10 years, it was $218,505. Okay, I'm talking to you right now. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, sure, he gives the stat about the last 10 years when we've seen an unprecedented appreciation without a crash or a dip. I mean, this is the longest streak since 1998 to 2008. All right, you're right. So if you knew that and you don't want to listen to this stat and you're just going to sit in your fear, again, this is all fine. I'm just giving you the numbers. This is not a sales pitch. So my response to that is, well, two of them. Yes. Number one, yes. It's not going to go up like this for another 10 years. I'm going to be straight with you guys all the time. Don't jump into a house right now thinking that you're going to for sure make $218,505 over the next 10 years because we did it in the last 10 years. But it's also projected to last for a few more years, the equity, the appreciation based on the unprecedented low inventory and lack of homes for sale, and not to mention the homes being built. That high demand is not going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. And as long as rates stay low, which they're predicted to stay below 4% for at least a year and a half. So no, you're not going to get 10 years of pure equity if you buy in 2021. But even the most pessimistic viewpoint would think that you're going to get two, three or four years of appreciation. And if you rent instead during that time, if you wait, you're going to get exactly zero of that appreciation. In fact, you're going to get negative below zero. Because take your rent, multiply it by 12 for each year that you sit out. Okay, and the number two reason why, sure, you're not going to get that is that historically, if you're going to stay in this place for a long time, the numbers back you up. Homeowners who purchased a typical single-family existing home 30 years ago at the median sales price of, oh God, I want to punch myself, $103,333. Oh, wouldn't that be nice 30 years ago? Well, if you bought a $103,000 place at 10% down and you sold the property at the median sales price of $357,700 in the second quarter of 2021, you would have accumulated a housing wealth of $349,258 because you would have been paying down the loan during that time as well. Now you're saying, well, okay, so we're not going to get it for 10 years. So I'm not going to do it because it's going to be a big crash. So even that 30 year number doesn't make sense. Well, that 30 year number that was through the housing crash of the 1990s, the dot-com recession of the two thousands and the biggest housing financial and global meltdown since the depression that happened in 2008. Oh yeah. And that 30 years also includes a global pandemic. So if you're fighting this fear, you have to realize that what history says is that things like this has happened before. It can't get much worse than what we've survived over the last 30 years. And if it does, awesome. You'll be right. And you'll be living in the bunker and we'll all be dead or living in a video game post-apocalyptic world running around like 
Walking Dead or some other zombie game. You know, my money, it's on the usual historical roller coaster. And those of you who want to take advantage with informed decisions are going to be better off than Johnny, the world's going to end, who's going to be chilling in his one bedroom apartment because he doesn't think you guys just don't know, man. And then he's going to sit there and bitch and moan about how it goes up 200 bucks every year. Again, guys, I'm on your side. These aren't theories. This is historical data. These are facts. This has been tested. If you've missed out on the game over the last 30 years, maybe you weren't even born yet. Don't worry about it. Experts are still calling for financial growth in equity over the next five years. See, I said two, three, or four. I was being conservative. So let's hear what the experts have to say about the bubble. Again, that's all in episode 47 and 48, but let me give you the quick rundown. The Home Price Expectation Survey from mid-2021, a survey of over 100 economists, and they split them up. 50 optimistic people, 50 hardcore negative Nellies. And they're all real estate experts, investments, and market strategists. They expect the home values and the equity to increase as follows. 2021, 11.74%. Don't have much time left, so you're not going to get that whole 11%. 2022, 5.82%. 2023, 3.94% up. Again, these are predictions from the leading economists, good and bad. Uh, Not good and bad, uh, bull and bear pessimistic and optimistic, and they're still all positive. So where was I? 2023, 3.94, 2024, 3.56, and 2025, 3.55. So that survey estimates a 31.8% cumulative appreciation over the next five years. Now, you don't get that whole 31.8, even if that's correct, because 2021 is almost done, which means the earliest that most of you listening to this can make this happen is, what, January? of 2022. Again, another good reason to subscribe and follow. If you don't already, you might've had this information earlier. So taking their 31%, they started with projections at a 350 house, $350,000 house bought in January, 2021. That home is going to be worth 391 in January, 2022. So let's look at the appreciation. We missed the first year, but for the next four years, okay, you don't get the 31 you get 20% because it was 11% the first year. Too much math for you? Hang with me. I'm standing. So your house was 391. If you get it together and you buy before the end of the year, January, 2023, that house is up to 413. January, 2024, $430,000. January, 2025, $445,000. And January 2026, 461000 bucks. Now, it's not even. I had hundreds of dollars in there, but this is a lot of math. It's getting really intricate, so I just left it out. So start at 413, finish in 2026 at 461285 So the grand total that while you're paying a fixed monthly payment, fixed, not rising like those rents, is... If you purchase that $391,090 house in January 2021, experts are thinking that you're going to make $70,195 in equity. $70,195 for paying that monthly payment that could be the same as 
the rent payment they pay right now. And okay, I don't know your numbers. Maybe it's more. Maybe that uh, new mortgage payment will be a thousand bucks more on your rent. A thousand dollars more than a mortgage. So you say, dude, I'm not paying a thousand bucks more for four years. That's 48 months. That's $48,000. 48,000 is a lot of money. Oh, oh, wait. What was that equity number? 70,195. So that is the math. And even that math is low. And again, I just gave you some basic numbers. And I hear you. You don't want to buy because $1,000 more a month. You could say $48,000. Well, we just showed you that it's actually, you're going to gain 70,000. But you're saying, well, I still want to do that because I'll save $48,000 in those four years. Plus, it'll help me save up 20% down so I can get a way better payment. And then I can buy a better home because it's going to be cheaper too because prices are going down. Okay, first, wrong. That's just not me saying that, that the experts saying the prices are going to go up for the next four years. Just told you that. And there's lots more data on that in 47 and 48 on the bubble. Second, interest rates affect your monthly payment. That's our next topic. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Again, working in the favor of buying versus renting on the four-year, you am going to wait it out plan. A third reason why the statement, you don't want to buy because the mortgage is $1,000 more and you'd save $48,000 over the next four years, which means I could save a lot more money to get to my 20% because that's going to be a lot cheaper. No, it's not. That's in other episodes. And then a home price is going to be cheaper. Like I said, that's most likely wrong. But here's the other thing. You're not going to save $48,000. It's going to be less because in the four years, you're not saving $1,000 a month because rents go up and mortgages are fixed. So just to be conservative, let's say you pay $2,000 a month and you don't want to pay $3,000 a month because you want to save $1,000 a month to put that money away and save up. Okay. Remember the stats from the beginning from apartmentguide.com when I read that whole list that just scared the bejesus out of you? I'm not going to go nuts and I'm not going to use the 80% annual increase in Long Beach where apparently they're kicking everyone out of houses and redoing them and raising the rents. I won't even use the last year's average of 10%. I'm going to use a super conservative number. Let's say the landlords are buying up apartments like crazy and bloated prices, but they're only raising the rents 5%. I don't see a world where that happens, but let's say that is. And you know what? I'm not even going to do a true five-year cumulative or four-year cumulative 5%. I'm just going to do 5% basic for four years, $100 a month increase for four years. You have to take that into account. You can't say I'm going to save $48,000. If you have a $100 a month increase for four years, how much is that? Come on, guys. 100 times 48 months, $4,800. So with a low 5% raise in rents, which we know is going to happen, at least you're really only saving $43,200 versus $70,195 in equity. Woo. Okay. Who wishes I started a YouTube channel and did this with charts and graphs on a whiteboard instead of in your ear holes? Sorry, gang. It's out there, but I can't video all these. I would go nuts. All right, topic number four, mortgage interest rates. Now, if you nerd out like me and you follow this stuff, you know rates, they hit an all-time bottom in January this year, 2.66%. But that golden window of opportunity, it's not over yet. 
If you are one of the buyers who missed out, don't freak out. Today and tomorrow's mortgage rates are still totally worth taking advantage of and still mathematically a lot of times means that it's better if you plug it in when you're thinking about waiting versus buying. This is like, okay, so let's make a formula for this one. It's like X minus Y equals Z plus A times B. If the variables in that were if X was rising rent and Y was a mortgage payment with a low interest and Z was long-term family wealth and A in this equation is low inventory and B is buying with a low down payment and leveraging this asset with a low down payment and a low loan rate. All right, now look, math nerds out there, I know that the actual functionality of the equation is totally wrong, but I think I made my point. So variable B in my jacked up equation, it's a big part of it. The low fixed monthly payment is dependent on price, but much more dependent on the mortgage interest rate. Okay, so that rate, that payment is fixed and it gets set obviously based on the price, but it's way more dependent on the interest rate, which currently in October, 2021, it's a little over 3%. Rates are below where they've been in recent decades. So do not shop with your friends who got a lower rate this year because they did, because it was the lowest it ever was in 2021. But that doesn't mean it's still not low right now. It's still lower than it's been for 30, 40 years. Big picture people, a raise in rates, even a whole point could still mean that the math works better for you than renting for a year or two years or five years. Trust me, your parents or grandparents got in way higher and they survived but they didn't have this incredible low rate that just changes the equation for everything. The key is going to be acting sooner rather than later. According to experts throughout the industry, mortgage rates are projected to continue rising in the months ahead. The average forecast from the four different real estate giants who figure all this stuff out, they're called Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, the MBA, which is the Mortgage Bankers Association and the National Association of Realtors. They have us right now at 3.17 fourth quarter for 2021. And in 2022, it'll be going up in each quarter, starting at quarter one at 3.32, 3.45 second quarter, and 3.5 third quarter. So again, not a huge jump, but that jump from 3.17 now to 3.5 next fall, here's what happens all right, we're just going to do your principal and interest, the P and the I. For the same $350,000 house, if you got super lucky and got that house at 2.99, which some people are, that payment is $1,474 principal and interest with a 2.99% mortgage interest rate. And that's for the $350,000 house. If you're buying it next fall, by the way, that's you're actually going to be buying maybe 2 to 4% less of a house because the prices go up this year as well. So if you did buy a house for $350,000 at that higher rate of three and a half, your payment's going to go up $107 a month. And you're also going to be buying less of a home. I know, it's a lot of math, but you got to do it if you got to figure out. You can't just say, I'm going to wait because I saw a headline that says it's wrong. Okay, so $107 a month. Now you combine the price increases, the potential rate increases, and your fixed 
purchase of a $350,000 home in 2021, if you pulled it off at 2.99%, in a couple of years, that same home could be a $400,000 purchase at 4%. And you want me to tell you how much that is? How much more? Well, the technical term is a buttload more that you would save than if you rented. And for some of you, the mortgage, even at that high one, it's not going to be more than you're already renting right now. Remember, my 25-year-old hairstylist in Vegas who listened to the podcast and bought a condo better than her apartment. She only used 3.5% down, and she now pays $100 less than her rent. Okay, topic number five, supply and demand. He's still doing topics. I don't know. This is for all the haters that don't believe the data on the bubble and are still just going to wait for it to go down a little bit, man. First of all, no. Second, still, just no. The math doesn't make sense. And third, this is why. There's a bunch of data in the bubble episode, but it also is not going to go down until the supply changes. And an average American or Canadian home that goes for sale stops selling in the first weekend with 10 offers. This is still happening all over North America, period. No matter what the headlines say. As of October 2021, that is what's happening. The only way things go down is if homes go back to their normal selling cycles. And a normal selling cycle, if you don't know, it's three months on the market and then you get one offer. And I'll let you know when we start seeing that in the actual marketplace. And trust me, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to go from selling in 48 hours to selling in three months. We're not going to go from 25 people trying to put offers on a house the first weekend to one guy putting an offer in three months later. This ain't happening anytime soon. All right, I've given out the actual supply and demand data in past episodes, and I've already hit you with way too many numbers today, so I'm not going to rehash the inventory numbers with you. Instead, you guys just focus on the numbers I've discussed. Those are the ones that are most important, your personal numbers and the weight versus buy. I want you to really digest your personal numbers on waiting versus acting now. This is key, and it's key for you to realize where are we in the current market cycles for not only home prices, but for mortgage interest rates. Then you got to factor in your rent, which is going to nothing every month versus the possibility of having equity appreciation. And when you put that all together, for most of you guys out there, it's probably the biggest no-brainer of all time. Now, for some of you, you might be in the planning stages. Don't worry about that. We have time before we're going to see any price lowering. For now, the supply is low and it's not easy, but it should stay there, which means we will continue to see price increases so you can still get this even if you're starting just your planning today. Now, here's one stat that sums it all up. From 2017 to 2019, those three years, we averaged 1.4 million homes listed for sale in August. The peak months were August, September, and October during those years, but we just took the average, 1.4 million in August. Back then, we still had competition. Now, it wasn't like last year, or wasn't 20 or 50 offers on every house, but there were multiple offers and things moved quick. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but that was the average up to that. And we still had multiple offers, but then there was this little global pandemic thing. And so things slowed down a little bit. So in 2020, the number of homes in August was only 850,000. And it continued to drop to only 500,000 homes from the average peak of 1.4. That was May of 2021. 
So that's why if you talk to people who were buying in May, June, July this year, you heard about all the knife fights in front of the houses trying to get their offer accepted. 50, 60, 70 offers and 100,000 over list price. Don't believe the hype when you hear that things are cooling off because listings are increasing. Yeah, they're increasing from being two-thirds off of the peaks from 2017, 18, and 19. And even then, it was a competitive market at those peaks, but we're two-thirds below it. August 2021 was a paltry 650,000 homes for sale. Still, 750,000 homes less than 17, 18, 19. And it hasn't gone up much since then. So unless a million people decide to sell their home tomorrow, this is the way it's going to be for a bit. Topic number six, you can buy for a low down payment. This one should be tattooed on my forehead. I'm not going to argue with you. And if you haven't heard this with me before, then you probably got to be new to how to buy a home podcast. Here's the facts. Military and veterans can buy with zero down. Most of my buyers in the last 15 years, they purchased at 3.5% down. It's called an FHA loan. And they've done it in crazy skyrocketing markets going way up. And they've done it in total crashing, burn the ground down markets in the great recession poop show that happened 2008, 9, and 10. 3.5, most of my guys, people, thems and theys. Okay, and if you're looking for the real numbers, here's the real numbers from the National Association of Realtors. This is the published numbers, legitimate numbers, 2021 first-time home buyers. Only 32% used a down payment of 20% or more. Only 32%. Here's the big one. The average down payment for every first-time buyer, million buyers, 2021, 9.7%. And if you're going, well, yeah, but there's still a bunch of guys that sold, bought cash. Cash buyers were only 3.2% of the first-time buyers. That's the facts. Like I said, I'm just going to give it to you. That's topic number six covered. Done. All right, let me recap the topics. And then I'm going to leave you some really useful nuggets from a listener who texted me. It's a really cool little piece. Recapping our topics on waiting versus buying, October 2021. Topic number one, rising rents, 10.1% in the last year, and the landlords are buying more buildings at high prices, just waiting to gouge all you renters. Topic number two, on the positive side, buying earlier gives you a longer history to increase your family wealth. Use your monthly payment that you already spend on rent to begin building your financial security so you can pass it on or If you don't want kids or want to give to anybody, fine. Then spend it all and live like a trust fund baby when you're 65 years old. Topic number three, rising prices and forecasts. Talking about the bubble or no bubble. I can't do it. Too many words already told you everything. Topic number four, rising rents. You won't get the deal your friend got this summer. You're not going to get 2.7, but it does not mean you still shouldn't run your numbers and see how this can be better for you than waiting. Topic number five, supply and demand. People want homes. People buy homes. Builders stopped making homes 2008, 2012. Then they finally started making homes again, 13, 14, 15, 16. And then there was a global pandemic and the builder stopped again. And then people stopped listing homes. So remember... There's not enough homes for the buyers out there to buy. 
even if a million people decide to list their home on Halloween or if the builders started working 24 hours a day, we'd just be in a normal market. Topic number six, you can buy for just a little bit down. 20% is not the rule. Yeah, believe me, it says so in gang font on my forehead because nothing says hard like a tat about shrewd financial strategy regarding your largest monthly expense leveraged against low interest loan with a small percentage initial investment. Boom, I'm hard. Now, if you still think after all my rambling that things are going to cool down at the end of 2021 and into 2022, since this year's market was so freaking hot that it has to go down. First of all, you are right. It's going to go down, but it's relative, relative to the crazy peak. So those headlines are going to tell you it's going down, but it's relative. It's not going to go down to a market that saves you money by waiting. Let's use a simple one to 10 scale, cold to flaming, burning hot scale. If it was a five fall of 2020 and then a 10 the summer of 2021, well, prices went up a little bit there as it went up to the 10. So you need to go down to a three for it to make financial sense to wait since prices and interest rates have gone up and will keep going up. Okay, so let's say everybody curls up during the holidays in the winter and it slows down to an eight or a seven. Well... First of all, we got to look back at what the experts thinks. Experts, real people doing the data, not just you Googling for 20 minutes or listening to a podcast from some alarmist guy for one hour. I'm talking about experts who spend every day working on this stuff and send the detailed information, gather the data for 10, 20, 30 years, the good stuff. Yeah, I pay for the data I get. It's not that spam crap. Let me give you some real insider stuff the data they give to us realtors to be sure that we look like we know what we're talking about. You know, if you listen to the show, you know that the source is getting the data for the realtors. They know who their customers are, the realtors. So who do you think they're trying to get the information for the realtors for? All you first-time buyers? No, they know who the realtors want to talk to, sellers. Realtors love sellers and think that you're the bottom of the chain but they love to tell sellers about you and all your buying habits. <laughs> okay, you wanna hear some stuff? This is the real insider marketing information that's going out to realtors to talk to sellers at the end of 2021. All right, let me get in my cheesy marketing mode talking to realtors who talk to their sellers. Chances are high that some of the more recent storylines you've come across mention terms like cooling or slowing when talking about where the market is headed. You may see these headlines about a drop in home sales, but are the headlines telling the full story? The most recent Exist Home Sales report from the National Association of Realtors does show a drop of about 2% from July to August, but this month-over-month -month decline doesn't provide the full picture. Historical context is key. Today's home sales are well ahead of some of the more normal years that led up to the health crisis. We've dropped from a 12-month high of 6.8 million sales in August of 2020 to 5.88 million in August 2021, compared to 5.4 million in August 2019 and 5.2 in 2018. That means buyers are still in the market, which is great news if you're planning to list your home. 
with Captain Cheesy Realtor, who only likes sellers. Talking about the speed of houses. Houses are selling faster than usual. When a headlines mentions the market is slowing, sellers may naturally wonder if the house will sell as quickly as they like. Seriously? As quickly as you like? Sorry, dude, it took me two open houses, a three-hour Saturday, three-hour Sunday, and I only got four offers. I know I'm not doing a very good job, am I? According to the most recent Realtor Confidence Index from NAR, homes are still selling at record speed. If we took a look at the data from previous years, we can see the average time on market 17 days today. In August 2020, that was 22 days, and in August 2019, 29 days. This means homes are selling faster than pre-pandemic levels. So you see, 17 days now. It was 29 days in August 2019. That means we could increase 12 days and we'd still be in a seller's market. So if we cool down a little bit, we still got room. What about bidding wars? I'm not going to go into the cheesy voice again. I can't do that anymore. Okay, they say that currently the average numbers of offers is higher than 39 of the previous 45 months. In 39 of the last 45 months, the number of offers on each home is higher than it was. 3.8 offers per home, and I think that's crazy low. But it says only 3.8 offers in August of 2021. And that number there in August, that's less than when it was at 5 in April or May of 2021, but that was coming right out of the pandemic, so we won't use that one. So 3.8 in August of 2021. In 2020, it was 2.3, and in 2019, it was 2.2. So even now, when we're slowing down from the high of five offers on every home to 3.8, we're still a whole one whole offer above the normal highs in 2019. And the number of offers on your house that you receive, obviously, that's going to have a major influence on how high you can sell it for. So this is what they're telling the people. Is the market slowing down? No, it's not. And they've got a guy who quotes here, it's not the white hot market from earlier this year, and it's not the 2020 market benefiting from a wave of pent up demand. But no one can mistake that this is still a hot housing market. So that's what they're telling people. They're telling people don't let the headlines rethink buying your or trying to sell your house the buyers are still out there and it's going to happen because that's what they told people in august this this whole report came from august and i haven't seen and we haven't seen in the nation things slow down sure the numbers show that offers and on homes and the prices are still rising even though they're calling it a cooling off period but it's only a cooling off period because it's a nine out of ten not a ten like it was a couple months earlier but it's a nine. It's not a four or a five. All right, one fun fact, and then uh, we'll wrap up and then I'll give you that last little listener tip. Fun fact, here's three more reasons why renting sucks, but owning a home is super bitching. One, the flexibility to make the space your own. I know you sit and watch HGTV all day. Wouldn't you love to do that to your place? Two, the pride of ownership. Three, the sense of stability. Eh, just a fun fact for you. Three facts, I guess. All right, hang tight for that listener tip. Now, if this episode or any of the others has been helpful, please subscribe or it's follow now. You'll automatically get updated because we're going to be doing these current market updates. So if you subscribe or follow, it'll just show up right there. And please, 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 if you have an opportunity and you're digging this, share it with someone. You can text it right from your phone to your friends. 
I'm sure you have friends that hate their high rent. And if you've got a minute, a quick review is always helpful. This will help other people find the podcast. That's the only reason I ask for those every week. I really appreciate it. We can help lots of people out there who need to hear this. If you've got your own specific questions, most of the time, Instagram's the best at David Sedoni, or you can contact me through the website, howtobuyahome.com or davidsedoni.com. Fill out the contact form and send me your question. There's a Facebook group, How to Buy a Home. And there's also an opportunity, like I said, follow me on Instagram, YouTube at David Sedoni, and TikTok is at How to Buy a Home, and then it's Twitter too. And I always tell people, if you are a reader and you want to print all these podcasts out, because I know I busted through those numbers, and if you rewind it, your brain might explode, howtobuyahome.com, print out all the pod scripts. I just made up that term. I'm sure I'm not the first person. Okay, last tip from a listener. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating coming from someone else's mouth. Getting your credit score from an app or a credit card statement or your bank statement That is absolutely not the whole picture. Your app, your credit karma, your free karma, your free credit karma aura.com is not your entire credit picture. Go back and listen to the episode on credit with uh, three and number eight are the episodes. You have over 28 credit scores and the score that you see is absolutely not what the bank is going to be looking at for your score for the biggest loan request of your entire life. Listen to this text exchange from a listener who got hooked up with a unicorn realtor and a unicorn mortgage broker. All right. She says, Hey, my credit was 50 points better than my FICO credit. It's really no joke how off the free credit pulls are. Everything you've said so far is spot on. And I'm sure you're very aware. All right. That was very nice. I didn't say that just for the plug. I just wanted you guys to hear 50 points better than the score on her free credit pull. Again, that was very nice, and I appreciate that a lot of the things I said were spot on, but I definitely don't know everything is always spot on, except I do know one fact for sure. You can do this.